Let's do that hockey. Welcome to Dauber Prospects Report. This is report number 34. I'm Victor Nuno, one of the co-hosts here. And with me, as always, is the incomparable Peter Harling. How you doing, Pete? Super awesome, El Nuno. How was your vegan Thanksgiving? It was meatless. It was meatless. But was, but, it, uh, but was it good still? It was really good, actually. It, go. was, it, was, it was tasty. And there was, you know, I think you miss the traditional things because more i think because you're used to them not necessarily because they're ne- they're my favorites but it was fun to do something different but what wasn't fun is having the flu the whole week and i'm still you might hear it in my voice i'm still kind of dealing with it but it was a good time and i'm feeling a little bit better how are you doing and how was your thanksgiving I, i'm all right my thanksgiving was like a month ago but it was awesome as always i saw a fun little recipe on online it's thanksgiving sushi where you take like the whole skin of the bird off in, in one piece and lay it out. And then you like, you put mashed potato down on it and then some turkey and then some stuffing and then like a row of cranberries. And then you roll it up and slice it into little bits and you make Thanksgiving sushi. And I really want to try that because it looks amazing. I would eat that. Definitely. Right. We can have another whole podcast about food, but let's let's focus on hockey. Yeah, let's do that. In today's report, we're going to talk about prospects in the NCAA, the college system in the U.S., that are making some noise. We will start with Boston College and bring on our bring on our guest, James Iacovone from Dauber Prospects, and talk about drafted and some draft-eligible players that are catching his eye. Before we get started, we'll remind you that Dauber Prospects Report is a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. We're very excited to be part of the Army of Fantastic Hockey Podcasts. Please check out at HockeyPodNet for all the shows like this one, talking hockey from fantasy team coverage, you name it. You can also use the DraftKings promo code THPN to listen to the show. More on that in a bit. And the Dabber Prospects Report show is proudly sponsored also by Fantrax. Fantrax is the ultimate league manager for your dynasty sport, any sport you play. Completely customizable for however you want to set up your league from scoring categories, an amazing draft room to host the draft, draft pick trading, a treasury option, and so, so much more. Use our promo code to sign up for a free league using the link Fantrax.com forward slash DPR show. Speaking of Fantrax, Victor, let's talk a little about a trade that we consummated over the weekend in the DPFHL. You up for that? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the DPFHL is it's not one of our listener leagues. Victor and I are, are actually in different leagues in the listener leagues, but we're also in the same league in the <laughs> Dauber Prospects Writers League. So the DPFHL. And so it's a it's a full 50 contract, you know, full NHL roster with a full minors roster. So you've got like 27 prospects or whatever it is. And it's a hard cap league, which means if you have players under crappy contracts, you can't just drop them and sign someone new. You're you're stuck with that contract. So contract space is is critical. And it's a head-to-head league as well, just to give you the context for the the league so you can decide on your own mind and and rate our trade. So it's a head-to-head league each week with with multi-categories, banger cats and whatnot. So here's the deal. I sent Josh Morrissey and Pavel Zaka with a 2024 fifth round pick to Victor in exchange for some green bananas. I got Rutger McGrady, Cam York, and Frank Nazar with a 2024 third round pick. So <clears throat> clearly, Victor's agenda here is is more win mode now. I feel like my window's kind of closing. I'm not off to a very good start this year. I figure it's time to get in front of the 
don't think I'm going to go whole scorched earth on my team because I still have some pretty decent players there. Rich. I got Brady Kachuk and Matthew Nyes and Cole Caulfield and Carter Hart, Robert Jack guys, some guys that I really like and I think are very valuable and still well within their prime. I just need to clean out the barn before I show the horses, Brian Burke likes to say. And you're in more of a win now mode. You've, you've off, off to a much better start than I am. So for me, my wins on this deal, the reason why I did it was because I got some much much needed and valuable cap space that I can work with in the summer and, and trading away the guys that I traded away to you. That opens up a lot of opportunity. And it's a, I think there's 18, 16 or 18 teams in this league. So, you know, there's a lot of star players on the waiver wire that have big contracts. So there might be some opportunity for me to, to recapture some immediate impact if I wanted to next year as well. So for me, I think I really won this trade not exclusively. I'm not saying you lost, but from my point of view, I really feel like I won. Obviously, you feel like you won too, or you wouldn't have agreed to the trade. So I, I, let's let's take a moment and, and hear your side of the trade and and what was motivating for you and what you really liked about it. Yeah. So 16 teams in this league, and you're absolutely right. There are a lot of high cap hit studs on the waiver wire, guys like Braden Point, John Tavares, Andrzej Kopitar, Philip Forsberg, Bratt. Robert Thomas. There's some there's some pretty good guys. Mark Stone. I think they're there because a lot of them are not necessarily worth it because they don't cover enough categories per se. But there are definitely like cap flexibility, as you mentioned, is huge. I just joined this league this offseason and I wasn't sure like what direction the team was going in, but I decided to make some moves and kind of clear out some cap. And like for me in, in a lot of these leagues, one of the biggest the things I think is important aside from cap space is cost controlled assets. And you really have to have guys that are producing, but aren't like super expensive. And to me, a couple of the guys that I saw on your team that I thought were, were good matches that are producing relatively well were, were Zaka and Morrissey. So Morrissey is currently the eighth defender in this setup. And he has a pretty modest cap hit at what is it? Six and a quarter or something like that. Yeah. So that's and it's for five more years. So he's he's really he's locked into that. And I know that, you know, there's some questions about how good Winnipeg is going to be for how long I get that. But he's doing really well and he's got at least some good offensive, you know, firepower and some couple of those guys, you know, resign long term in the offseason. So I feel like there's going to they're going to be, you know, at least pretty good for a while now. And this league does count face off wins and you know, hit some blocks and, and some other things. So a guy like Zaka, even though like I don't necessarily believe that he's, you know, amazing or anything. And I was not in the camp that he was going to be like a point per game player, but he's been, you know, he's been pretty darn good. He's been pretty serviceable. He's exposed to some great players in, in Boston. And so he's going to, he's going to put up some numbers and those kind of players are really hard to get. It's hard to get guys that'll do, you know, get you power play points and face off wins and, you know, cover the rest of the category. So I kind of felt like I was, we were kind of talking about it and it seemed like, you know, you weren't willing to to trade your, your best players, which I understand, you know, the guys that will be there through the retool, you know, your, your Kachucks who obviously I was interested in because those are, those are your, you know, great players, but you basically had said that those guys weren't, you know, weren't really available, you know, didn't make sense for you to trade Caulfield or, you know, any of those guys. So I decided that I was just probably overpay and I just decided to give you what I thought would be more than worth it so that you would accept quickly. That was basically my thought process. I didn't really want you to have to hem and haw too much or argue too much because then 
sometimes I find that those deals can kind of fall apart. So I wanted to be well worth it for you. And I think that those are three really good players. I mean, you're oh, yeah. already here. And, you know, McGordy had an injury, but I think it'll be fine. And Nazar is tearing it up. So, you know, it might be a year for one or two of them. It might be two years for Nazar. I don't know. We'll see. It's not going to be that long, though. So it's not like it's not like a five year wait on any of them. So I feel like it kind of fit your window, too. Yeah, I mean, a couple of things on 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 the trade. I really like Morrissey. I grew up a Smith fan and, and Morrissey fans, the, the singer. So the fact that I had the hockey player with the same name is kind of cool. Uh, Evan's shaking his head. He's not a fan. So I enjoyed having him on my team. I think he's a great player. I think he does good value, both offensively. He'll stuff your assist stat box quite proficiently and some other as well. Zach, I'm not really losing any sleep, losing him. That was okay. I didn't mind moving him and getting the prospects back. They're green bananas, right? Like there's no guarantee that these guys make it. There's been a lot of prospects who look like legit players and then they just, they don't make it. Well, I'm super confident that these three guys will make it. There's no guarantee that they do. Then you've got some, you know, you guys are already in the NHL. They're, they're established, they're guaranteed value. So there's a bit of a gamble on, on both sides. You're gambling that these guys don't become superstars and make this trade look awful for you. And I'm gambling that they, that they don't burn out and make this trade look awful for me. And hopefully they, they pan out and, and it's a win-win for both of us, right? If you can get a championship, no matter how good these guys turn out, you know, if you get a title out of the trade, then I I don't care who you have to give away to to do that. That's a win, right? Then you're in it to win it. So it's a fun trade. We'll see how it pans out. And uh, hopefully it's not the last one. We can make some more and talk about those. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I always think that it's best if you can make it a win-win. Like I I also agree that those guys are going to be good. I don't, I would like, I, it, it wouldn't be a good trade if I thought those guys were garbage and I was getting rid of, guys i didn't want i really dislike it when when people do that like oh i don't want these let me offer you my three worst prospects for your two best like nhlers like that's just stupid nobody is going to respect you if you do that and if you pull the wool over someone's eyes once they're never going to trade with you again so you know like it should be a win-win that's the cool thing about dynasty like this those guys fit your team better and yeah that i that i gave to you and the guys that you gave to me fit my team better so that's really the way it should should be i think yeah, that's how you should try and orchestrate trades in, in fantasy leagues is look at what your surplus are and what your needs are and try and find someone who is the polar opposite of that. You're a good fit for each other. If it's a positional strength or a stat strength or you're looking to win now and someone is at the bottom of the league or, or heading in the opposite direction than up and you're thinking to yourself, well, I can trade them some some draft capital and some prospects that will help speed up their rebuild. And, and maybe I can also throw them an anchor with a bad contract, a player that's not producing. And I can take off their hands, a player that is producing, that's going to make it hard for them to finish last and win the draft lottery that maybe is at the end of a contract or near the end of his career kind of thing, right? Someone that's not going to fit into their long-term plans. Those are the kind of trades that are win-win and are fun to make and the best. Anyway, that's enough of that trade. What do you say we get into the show and bring on James and let's talk some NCAA prospects. Welcome back to the podcast, James. It's good to have you on, my dude. How are you now? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me back on. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, right on, right on. So we had you on talking about prospects tournaments that the Flyers guys were on. And, and now we're gonna we're gonna kind of change the focus a little bit and talk some NCAA prospects. We've got you doing some NCAA writing for the site as well. So there's a lot of players on this list that I'm I'm excited to, to tuck into and 
and get some some fresh eyes insight on some scouting reports some pretty fantasy relevant guys here some big name prospects and a couple of guys who are maybe draft eligible or under the radar so thanks for doing this let's get into her yeah let's do it all right so i think we got to start <clears throat> with boston college they have a bunch of guys who are fantasy relevant to say the least first up would be the sophomore cutter Gauthier. he's a philadelphia flyers prospect and he's 30, 33% rostered on fan tracks. He had a really great freshman campaign last year, like amazing, where he scored 16 goals and 37 points in 32 games. Then he went out and put up another 10 points in seven World Junior Championships games, which was which was pretty great. Didn't stop there. Put on the red, white, and blue again for USA at the World Championship, a men's pro tournament. Scored nine points in 10 games there. So I thought that he was going to be bound for the NHL for sure this year, but he's gone back for his second tour of duty with the Eagles. So, you know, the Boston College added a, a whole first line of first round talent out of the 24 draft. And we'll talk about each of those guys. I'm not going to lie. When I heard that and I heard that he was staying, I was kind of like, hmm, is this going to be good for Goche or not? They're going to take up a lot of ice time. They're probably going to be a whole line, which means he's probably going to be relegated to line one B or the second line, however you want to call it. And is this going to hurt him? Is he going to take a bit of a, a bit of a step back? But nope, he's doing just fine. 11 goals and 17 points through the first 13 games as a sophomore. So this kid's only 19 years old still. He's 6'2, 194. He's eligible to go back to the world juniors again this year. So you got to think he's a lock for USA if he's not injured by then. I mean, he looks like a blue chip prospect to me. Is this a player that we can count on finishing his season with a cup of coffee in the NHL once the the school year is over, like a, a sign right away and and give him a give him a peek in the NHL or at least the American Hockey League to finish the season? And then I got to think he's going to be a favorite to make the roster next year. I mean, it, Philadelphia Flyers roster shouldn't be too hard to make, right? You would think. I mean, they've been a little <laughs> bit more. Com- they've been a little competitive this year. Just ask uh, Morgan Frost, who's having trouble getting into the lineup. True, um, they're exceeding my expectations. Yeah, they, I think for a lot of people, they are. Some people are even getting a little wary. Like, oh my god, the rebuild's done. Twenty games into the season, but uh, now <laughs> pump pump the brakes a little bit. Typical Philly Philly fashion to overreact. But uh, yeah, Gauthier, man, he's he's a lot of fun. And you know, watching him play, I'm reading a scouting report here. He's uh, very good defensively, uses his body well. And he, he's like the prototypical power forward. He, he's a powerful skater. I think his passing is a little bit underrated, but you know the thing that everybody watches for is the shot. And it's as advertised. Like He's so much fun. If the puck's on his stick in the offensive zone, he can score from anywhere. And it's one of the best shots, I think, in the NCAA. Coincidentally enough, the, the Philadelphia Flyers have a lot of guys that can shoot the puck. And, you know, now they're kind of missing the guy that can kind of stir the drink like Claude Giroux all those years. But yeah, I mean, he, he's very good along the boards. He, he very rarely loses board battles, gets in position for scoring chances. I, I think I posted a couple clips on my Twitter during last week because I knew, figured we were going to talk about him today. But there was a play where he helped win a board battle in the defensive zone. Puck squirted out to the opposite side of the goal. His team picked up the puck and he instantly looked for open space, got in position to shoot. Puck makes his way to him and he unleashes it. I think in that sequence, the puck was stopped, but that's just a, a taste of, of, of what he does 
in a game. So he's not just all offense. He, he's got some defense to him too, forces turnovers, fun player. And, and you know what? In watching Boston College, he, I don't think he's the best player on that team. And I, we're going to get to a couple of these guys, but they're, they're a lot of fun to watch. And Flyers definitely have a good prospect in, in Gautier. All right. Well, there are several candidates of who you might be talking about in terms of who the best player might be. They have pretty stacked. That's a fun, that's a fun team to watch. You're going to go to a college game or watch a college team. BC is definitely a good one. The next guy we're going to talk about is Gabriel Perot. And he is a New York Rangers prospect, went 23rd overall in this last year's draft. 25% fan tracks rostered. What are 75% of other leagues doing? I have no idea. That's crazy. He set the U.S. NTTB record for points last season. That's all. And then he's off a pretty decent start this season, I would say, for sure. After a really great U18 World Championships, he's currently got 20 points in 14 games at Boston College. 13 assists, just, I mean, 17 assists, just three goals. So that's a little low. And he's leading the team in points. That's pretty, pretty nice. He's looking at some of his underlying stats, 50% Corsi. Barely keeping his head above water in terms of play driving. He's got 2.3 shots, 0.8 blocks, and half a hit per game. So the peripheral is actually pretty decent for Gabe Perot. I know there are some concerns about how Perot's offense would translate to the next levels. Well, so far, so good at, at the college level, I would say. So I'm wondering what you've seen from him. And we we're also wondering how much he would play away from Leonard and Smith and how he looked. I don't know if he's been doing that or not. That's not something I could figure out. But uh, tell us about Perot. Yeah, not in the games that I've watched. In the games that I've that I was able to watch, he played uh, exclusively with Smith and and Leonard, and that's something that I would like to see too. I would I would like to see you know specifically a guy like Will Smith. I would like to see how he would do without Perot and and Leonard. But I think I love when when I watch Perot. He's one of those guys to me uh, that has it. Like he's the guy I want to watch when he's on the ice. You know, he's. The, He's kind of like the guy that connects everything together, in my opinion. When the puck's in the defensive zone, when when BC picks up possession, he's instantly looking to, to get out of the zone. But but not in a, in a good way, because some guys get out too early. You know, he 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 stays in the defensive zone, waits for the puck to come to him. Or or if he's the guy that ends up having possession of the puck, he's instantly looking up ice to to connect in a, a pass in the neutral zone. I love watching him play. He's always looking to push the puck up ice, like I mentioned. Great hands, just a smooth-looking player. It's very, very fun to watch. He So something I thought was interesting. So last year, I thought he was a little bit on the smaller side in his frame. And, you know, he's a young kid, so totally normal, 17 years old last year, 18 this year, obviously. It, to me, he looks noticeably bigger. He's still listed at 165, at least on HockeyDB. But he looks bigger this year. You mentioned he leads the team in points, 17 assists in, in 14 games. Maybe you'd like to see the, the goal scoring tick up a little bit, and I have no doubt it will in, in the future. But when I watch him play, I, I feel like I'm watching a player that has top-line potential, to tell you the truth. Definitely top six. You know, it'll be interesting to see uh, how the future plays out at, at Boston College and uh, just a guy that I really enjoy watching in Gabriel Perot. All right, one guy I really enjoy watching is Ryan Leonard. He was the eighth overall selection in 2023 to the Washington Capitals. And he's a player that I had targeted in all of my fantasy drafts. And I didn't get a chance to pick him because he, I think he went higher than eighth in all of my fantasy leagues, which was awesome for him, but disappointing for me. He's 32% rostered on fan tracks. 
And he is meeting my lofty expectations as a freshman at Boston College. 14 points through 13 games. Currently, this kid's on a seven-game point streak, but it's even more impressive than that. Is he's only gone two games where he's been held pointless out of the 13 games that he's played. That's pretty consistent scoring. I, I like to see that. I really also love his versatility, how he can play the game in just about any way you want to play it. He scores, he, he's defensive, he's physical, he makes plays. There's just everything about him I, I, I'm loving. With Washington getting the thin at center these days, is this? can you see Leonard as a player in an NHL top six role like full-time as soon as next year? I think if Fantilli can do it in Columbus, especially consider, I'd have to look at Washington's roster, but yeah, I think Leonard is that good. I think his ceiling is, you know, extremely high. He was getting, what was he getting last year? The Kachuk comparisons and all that. I, yeah. I love watching this kid play. He's one of the most fun players. I mean, I grew up watching the Flyers and, you know, I wanted Flyers to draft him. You know, Meechkov falls to seven. You have to take Meechkov, I think, but I love everything about this kid. I mean, you said it, you said it, he does everything. You know, he, what I, what I love most about him is he's, he's tenacious. You know, he doesn't take any crap. He can put the puck in the net. He can also create, which I think, I don't know if that's underrated about him or not, since he plays with guys like Will Smith and Gabe Perot, who are, I think, more known for that kind of stuff. But Leonard can do that as well. He can facilitate as well and just does it all. He, he's a very fun player to watch. And it's funny because all three of these guys, they're fun to watch and they all kind of play the game differently. So, you know, we mentioned earlier, how would these guys do separately? I, I mean, I guess we'll see once they get to the NHL, but, you know, I, I would just like to see, okay, how would Gabe Perot do on the line with two different line mates? How would Ryan Leonard do? I think they would succeed to tell you the truth. But yeah, you, you said it all about Leonard. There's not much else to say. He does everything. Yeah. I, I agree with you as playmaking, I think is, is underrated as well. I, yeah, I just think it's a role that they don't ask him to focus on on that line because it's kind of more Will Smith's thing, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's what he does. And like, okay, so he'll distribute the puck. We just need you to to bang and get open and score. And he's like, okay, I can I can do that too. <laughs> yeah, and and so Smith is still playing center on that line, but I, I'll tell you the truth: when you watch them, Leonard almost plays the center position when they're on the ice. It's like Smith will take the faceoffs and whatnot, but there are times when it's like, wait, who's the center on this line? Yeah. Um, yeah. Some guys just take the draw. Right. And yeah. then, mm -hmm. and then they switch in game mm -hmm. uh, to answer your, your, your comments about looking at Washington's roster, their center depth is, is Dylan Stroman Kuznetsov. And Kuznetsov has been kind of like trending in the wrong direction for a while now, but Nicholas Backstrom, who looks like he's kind of done. And then after that, it, it thins out pretty hard, pretty fast. Nick Dowd, Connor Mc. Um, Alexi Protus, Michael Scarbosa, Matthew Phillips. You got Hendricks Lapriere as a potential top prospect candidate to compete with him there. But I mean, I really like his his window of opportunity. The door is opening for someone to step in and take a prominent top six role. It seems in Washington, and and this is a guy I'm I'm like I'm looking right at you, Ryan Leonard. <laughs> I'm it calling you up. To see. Yeah, because if you're Washington, is it beneficial to keep them down there one more year with 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 Smith and and Perot, or maybe they break that line up? I don't know. Because I think we mentioned it earlier. Gautier is definitely going to get a cup of coffee with the Flyers, and he's supposed to. He's going to turn pro, so he'll no longer be with Boston College. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Would it benefit 
you know, Ryan Leonard to play an extra year with BC. And maybe they do the same thing, call him up at the end of next year and see what he's got. Yeah, it will be interesting to see if all some and none of these guys graduate or one and done or come back or some or all or none, whatever. Yeah. And then they're either way, they could be all on different teams next year if they, if not all of them I'm go for a second year. Yeah. All right. So we'll move on to the last guy of that trio. And you were talking about Will Smith. You were talking about face-offs. I'm just going to preempt this by saying he's bad at face-offs. 42% yeah. is what he's been rocking at. Even though he does take the face-off, he, he isn't really that good at it. And I agree with you, too, with what you were saying about Smith. When I mean, Leonard, when I've seen the three play, it, it always felt to me like Ryan Leonard was the center, even mm-hmm. though he wasn't the one taking the draw. He's the one with the best two-way game. But anyways, Will Smith... He's a Sharks draft pick, fourth overall. He's 38% rostered, so definitely the highest rostered of all of these three. So, you know, Perot might be the best value there at 25 in, in terms of who's available. So less available is Smith. So far, he's second in points behind Perot with 19 and 14, still excellent. And I mentioned the face-off. He's also rocking the same course. I mean, these guys all have kind of the same course because they're playing together. He is not doing so great in terms of the perifs, though. Three shots a game, which is nice, but a block every four games and a hit every 10 games. Basically, he's looking into a hit every every 10 games or so. So I've I've had my questions about Smith. He obviously has, you know, a high points upside. But in in terms of his all around game, if he really is going to fulfill that destiny of being like a one C for the Sharks someday, I feel like his the rest of his game has has a long way to come. But what have you seen so far from him at BC? A lot of what you saw from him with the U.S. team, honestly. And of the three, Perot, Leonard, and, and Smith, I was always the least impressed with Will Smith. And I'm going to try to say this without making it sound like I'm poo-pooing on a prospect because I, I don't like to do that. But... I've always had trouble understanding the hype around Will Smith and, you know, how he went number four. Um, I like the other guys better. Uh, when I, when I watch Perot, I mentioned there's an it factor to him. Leonard, I think has the same thing. When I watch Will Smith, I, I don't get that sense. This is what, this might sound silly. So maybe you guys can tell me, but watching him last year, and maybe it's because Kevin Hayes played for the Flyers last year or the last four years. He reminded me a lot of Kevin Hayes, kind of a slow skater. Sure, he's good with the puck, good hands, but just kind of just didn't do it for me. He's okay defensively. I just I just wonder how much is a product of playing with guys like Leonard and Perot that his points are always pretty high here. So when we talk about breaking up that line, he's a guy that I'm not sure would be able to produce at the same rate. Hopefully he can you know, prove me wrong because you, you always want these guys to succeed, but uh, I just, I don't see it. And honestly, I, I never have. And I thought, you know, when you listen to, you know, prospect shows like your guys or some of these other prospect pundits, you're like, okay, well, these guys have been doing this for a lot longer than I have. They all like them. There's gotta be something there. But for me, I just, I don't, I don't see it there with Will Smith. I think what it is with Smith and from what I've seen, and I've been skeptical all along, too is that he he has that pull you out of the seat moment like he can make those plays he can he can do the flashy thing that everybody on the ice notices right it's like oh he dangled that guy and he just made that guy look silly walked around him and that's that's great because i mean everybody notices that and and sure that's good for for fans and stuff but i think 
the keen observer notices those little things that Perot and Leonard do more, for right? Sure. Like the the opening up, creating the lane, you know, fighting hard, battling for pucks, like creating space, like those kinds of things are, I think, are more translatable. And I think Smith's game is very good one-on-one, right? Like he is dangerous one-on-one. If he isolates a defender, he can he can undress them. Well, at least yeah. at this level. I don't know if that's going to work at the NHL level, but I think that's always been the concern is that can he play in space? Can he find the seams? Can he play in traffic? Like does is he, does he have the physicality when he's, you know, checked by 6 foot 4, you know, long-range defenseman that can skate really fast? That's going to be yeah. tough, you know. And and so far he's doing okay, at least, you know, it seems in the NCAA, but I think that's like you're going to need to see evolution in that part of his game and and see those subtle things a little bit more. And I, I agree with you. That's why I think that that needs to come a long way if he's really going to make the impact that he has, because otherwise he's just going to be a flashy winger who, you know, can can score like I'm sure he can at least score 50 to 60 points in the NHL if he if he has that kind of isolated offensive role. But that's not what the Sharks drafted him to be. They drafted him to be a one C that can play in all situations and you know put up closer to point per game and he's i don't know if that like he's not trending that way to me right now he has work to do no and that's kind of the same same opinion i had even even watching him last year with the national u.s team it it was the same feeling you know leonard and perot kind of in my opinion carried the carried the line and i mean will smith did a lot of good things but i wonder how inflated his point totals are and I, i hate being that guy i really do but I just, I wonder, okay, he's got 19 points in 14 games. You know, how much of that should be credited to the work that Perot's, Perot did or Leonard did? Like I, I was watching, actually, Will Smith was the last guy I was watching. And uh, a couple of the, the goals or assists that he had were sort of broken plays. Or I don't want to call them lucky, but they weren't the same as, they weren't as deliberate, I'll say. How about that? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think Smith is very opportunistic and he can he can punish you. And he's shown that clutch factor. Like he can show up in big games and he can score big goals. But yeah, the, the when you have to grind it out, grind out a game, you know, I'm taking Ryan Leonard on my team for sure. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think the other two players on that line might be more of the play drivers or the the, the alpha players on that. But there's a there's a value in being able to to play on a line like with guys like that as well, right? Like, there's plenty of players who have had opportunity to play with a star player and, and just can't keep pace and can't take advantage of the opportunity of playing with a with an elite talented player. So even if he's not in his elite level skill across the board, light the lamp with DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And sign up with code THPN. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. All right. That's enough. This isn't the Boston College show. Let's talk about some other guys. Let's go. Let's go draft. Let's talk Zev Booyam. Uh, yeah. 2024 draft eligible. The younger brother of Shay. Shay. Shay Booyam. Right. So he is ranked 18th right now on the Elite Prospects consensus ranking. Our Dauber Prospects ranking came out and the team there ranked him 21st. So pretty close. First round, you know, bottom of the first round areas where we're looking with this guy. But what he is, is a 17-year-old NCAA freshman. He's 5'11", 165. So not, you know, not a beast, 
but not a hobbit either. 165 is more concerning to me than the 511, but at 17 years old, there's a lot of opportunity to put on some some muscle and some mass at this point. He's had 40 points in 63 games last year with the national team development program. And then he scored six points in, in seven games at the U18s. Right now he's playing, I think it was with Denver. Yeah. Oh, good for me. Denver University. Yep. Right on, right on. Playing with Denver. Uh, he's got 18 points for the first 14 games. He's a defenseman, right? Yeah. Right? 17-year-old <laughs> defenseman, yeah. He's, he's a freshman. And he's got more more points than games played. He's currently on a nine-game heater as well. And he's got 13 points in that nine-game stretch. So, like, he is getting better as time goes on. In your opinion, does his player production put him within the elite of this draft class? Like, should he be in the conversation with Sam Dickinson and Pareka and Lashunov and, and Cole, Lane, or Cole Hudson? I think if this continues, he's going to force his way in for sure. I, right. I love watching this guy. Like I mentioned it, the it back there, like, I think he's got it. But you have to kind of appreciate, I think, the game. Because if you're watching for the flashy stuff, like, he'll give you that. But what I'm amazed by is the subtle plays like that he makes as a 17 year old. Like, I feel like that's so important to remember when watching him because you could, you could forget that and be like, Oh, okay. No big deal. But so I, I, I think I posted a couple of videos here on Twitter. Let me just go through one. There's a play where he's got possession of the puck behind the goal. There are two defenders on him and he shields the puck from both finds his way out of trouble and helps Denver university maintain possession of the puck. That's a huge deal for me. Just, just to not turn the puck over like that and give up possession, you know, something uh, goes the other way, that kind of stuff. There was another play here. I mean, he could do the flashy stuff as well, too. I mean, obviously, 18 points, 14 games. But what, what I love most about him is that he can do the little things. He can do the subtle, the subtle play that maybe the average you know, hockey fan won't see. So that's what's impressive to me because you'll have some of these flashy D and I guess the first guy that comes to mind for me would be Shane Gossesbear while he was while he was a flyer. You can do all the flashy stuff, but can you do the little things? And you know, it's you need the little things. And I'm just I keep going up for thinking of flyers stuff. Tortorella, for example, if you want to be in his lineup, you have to do the little things. So I think Zeev Buyum at 17 years old, if he can continue to improve, and I'm sure he will. Yeah, I think he he has to be in that conversation. Maybe he even goes in the 10-15 range. I don't know. I know a team like the Flyers should be looking at him. That's for sure. I mean, any team that needs defensive help should be looking at Steve Bouillon. Yeah, it sounds like you're talking about hockey sense. And you're oh, going yeah. to need that in spades when, when you're a defenseman and you're less than six feet tall and weigh less than 200 pounds, right? You got to be for able sure. to, to, to do those little things, like have a, a smart, active stick and, and outthink the other the other player and the pace of the play and put yourself in positions where we're you know, you're not going to be taken advantage of. You're not going to be behind. You're not going to be on the wrong side of, of a six foot four, 210 pound guy is you got yeah. no chance anymore. Right. Just little short, quick passes, support, supporting the puck, that kind of stuff that that's what gets you in, into the that's next a, level. That's a big deal. I took some notes here. I forgot to mention. So he plays PK and power play. As a freshman, I think that's a huge thing. Yeah. So he, to me, he looks smaller than 5'10". You know, we'll, we'll see if that changes. Sometimes they're a little bit um, generous when they, when they put the, the, the height and weight on there. We'll see. But he plays bigger, as I mentioned. Shields the puck well. 
The other thing is he's always kind of processing what's going on. You can see him watching, you know, the entire ice, not just wherever the puck is. He knows where to be. He knows where everybody else is, which is, I think, big time. It's important. Plays under control in, in surprise situations, I wrote down, where if the puck's, you know, turned over and all of a sudden he has to defend in transition, no big deal for him. You know, doesn't panic, doesn't, you know, go down making snow angels or anything like that. He tries to do the smart thing, which was impressive for a young kid. He's smart, creates space and finds teammates in easy positions. So there was one sequence where he had possession of the puck in the offensive zone and he, he received the pass in a crappy spot where he could have easily turned the puck over. He made a little move, skated the puck down the wall, brought in a defender and found a teammate wide open to make a play. That to me was a huge deal because he's not just, oh my God, hot potato. I got to give this to the closest teammate. And if he turns it over, well, it wasn't my fault. You know, he drew the defense in, got his teammate wide open. So his teammate had a little bit of time to make a pass and found him and, you know, DU maintained possession. Like little stuff. I go crazy for stuff like that. You know, that, that to me is a huge deal. And he does that. All right, let's move on to the last couple guys here. The next one is someone I don't know a ton about. His name's Alex Jeffries. He's 1% Fantrax rostered, so widely available. He's a six foot oh, 194 pound left wing. He plays for Merrimack College of the NCAA. He was a 2024th round pick by the Islanders. You always have to be a little wary when you're talking Islanders prospects because it's, a, it's not so good down there in, on the farm. But he's he's been pretty good. So he this is a senior season at Merrimack. Last season, he ended up doing pretty well as a junior, 41 points in 38 games. Previous couple seasons, it was a pretty decent freshman season, okay sophomore season, and then turned it on junior season. And currently, he's almost at two points per game with 14 points in eight games. And Merrimack, in case anyone's wondering, is certainly not a powerhouse NCAA team. So he's now 22, and he's, uh, he's looking pretty good, even distribution of goals and assists what can you tell us about alex jeffries jim yeah so he's like you mentioned a fourth round pick of the islanders and when you watch him play it's he's like prototypical islander prospect i think like when you watch the islanders and then you watch alex jeffries you know you can kind of see why they drafted him so he was hurt early in the season that's why he's only played eight games but he does have you mentioned seven goals seven assists in the eight games for 14 points he plays a mature game, and I don't know if that's just because he's 22 playing you know, with a bunch of guys maybe a little younger than him, 17, 18, 19 years old. But what I mean by mature is he plays under control. Uh, he always makes the correct play. No matter how fast the game's moving, he kind of just seems like he's, he's, he's processing or he's like, okay, I don't have to. He's just always in the right position. How about that? He plays PK and power play. Got a quick release for a shot, and he. I think for me, he projects as a bottom six guy in the NHL. I would expect, I think he's currently not signed yet for, by the Islanders, which would make sense because he's in college. But So maybe he comes up for a cup of coffee with the team this year and the way the Islanders do things, he'll probably be with, I think it's Worcester is their AHL affiliate. I have to go back and double check that, but he probably will spend a year or two. Bridgeport. Uh, Bridgeport, I'm sorry, Bridgeport. He'll probably end up spending a year or two in Bridgeport the way they like their prospects to cook a little while, maybe too long. Well, one thing he's got going for him is uh, a lack of competition. 
and the Islanders depth chart, they're, they're pretty thin on prospects, like, like quite shallow actually. So, um, there's, there's opportunity there. Uh, but only 1% fan tracks roster tells you something. Another guy with kind of low fan tracks roster ship at 4% is the guy leading the league and scoring Massimo Rizzo university of Denver. Yeah. I just added him in, in my fantasy league as a free agent. So maybe that's 5% now. We'll see. But 25 points through 14 games. He's a Flyers prospect. He's got one more point than teammate Jack Devine, a Florida Panthers prospect, at least as of yesterday morning when I did my prep for this. So he was originally a seventh round pick in 2019 by Carolina. He's only 5'11", 174, and he is already 22 years old. So, you know, we're kind of... Kind of is what he is at this point, pretty much, I think. Um, If that's good enough to make it to the NHL or remain to be seen. Not exactly a late bloomer here, though. So he's got that going for him. It's not like he's, you know, he's blossoming as as an older player playing against younger competition. Like sometimes like what we see in the CHL. Um, He's got 107 career points through 91 games. So he's been a pretty consistent scorer his whole NCAA career. Would you would you say is this a, you're a, you're a Flyers guy? He's a Flyers prospect. Is this a guy that you're excited for, and that maybe the Flyers got a bit of a bit of a win trade here when they moved David Kosh for him? So here's it's funny. Like you have to temper expectations because you see a guy doing well in the NCAA, and he's a Flyers prospect, and he's Italian. I'm Italian, so that's always bonus points. <laughs> but when you watch him, you're not always impressed. I, I think. I mean, a former seventh round pick. He's which I guess that's normal, but I mean, so he has the offensive tools when his team has the puck. It's so I'm going to do something and nobody make fun of me, but you ever watch like Leon Dreisaitl, the way he kind of just kind of glides around the ice at times. Uh, and it's kind of like he's surveying the ice without the puck. And then all of a sudden the puck's on his stick and he's pushing play up ice. I'm in no way comparing him to Leon Dreisaitl. I'm just saying that when I watch Rizzo, I'm trying to figure out who he reminds me of. And it's, it's that sometimes where he's not really involved in the play for like sometimes good stretches. He, I guess he's putting himself in position. And when the puck finds him, it's, he's pushing play away. So it, I also want to say that his numbers could be a little inflated due to the competition that Denver uh, has played. But when the puck's on his stick, he's arguably one of the most dangerous guys on the ice draws defenders in always looking to pass can finish follows up the play on the rush doesn't just kind of skate by or skate behind the net i think the the offensive talent is legit but then you have to factor in that he is 22 playing against maybe a younger competition i would like to see him play in the in the ahl a little bit to see if his game translates there i would say that once he goes pro he would need the thing that he needs to work on most is being consistent because he'll go stretches of, uh, you know, a few shifts of not, it's just, he's just very inconsistent. The points are there, but if you could get that kind of production or, or, you know, desire to play the same way, every shift he would, then I would say, okay, yeah, this is definitely an NHL player, but I mean, we'll see. He, there maybe there's a role in the, the third line for him in the future, something like that. Yeah, I mean, he's putting up points in the NCAA, and he was a seventh round pick. The Flyers got in a in a in a trade. Maybe he's a diamond in the rough kind of guy. James, you're not making me feel good about picking this free agent up. You kind of <laughs> deflate. You're kind of letting the air out of my balloon a little here. 
Well, <laughs> excuse me. So, I mean, for a seventh round pick to, to lead the NCAA in, in points and for a fly, a Flyers organization, they need center depth in the worst way. So they were kind of taking anything they could get, I think. So we'll, we'll see with Rizzo. Yeah. I'm curious to see how his game will translate in, in professional hockey. I think he, he would need some seasoning in AHL. Maybe Ian LaPerriere can help get that consistency in his game a little bit more. And we'll see. The way you're talking about how he kind of floats around and surveys reminds me actually of, of Brett Hall. He used to do that where he would just look, look like he wasn't really interested in what was going on. But then before right. you know it, oh, the puck's on his stick and he's in a wicked scoring opportunity and boom, it's in the net. Exactly. So it was all very calculated what, what Brett Hall was doing. He, you know, he's just trying to not look threatening and, and allow the, the, the defense to give him just enough space. And he didn't need it more than a half a second for the puck to even be not even on a stick, but just close to him. And it was like in the net. I'm not saying he's going to have the goal scoring prowess of Brett Hall. We're probably not going to see 70 goals in a season out of Massimo Rizzo, or maybe even in his entire <laughs> career. But it just makes me, makes me think of that. And, you know, hopefully, yeah, for sure. Hopefully he can make it. That describes him perfectly. Like you watch him and you're just unimpressed. And then all of a sudden, puck's on his stick or the puck's going the other way. And he's fun. He's fun to watch. I mean, to me, this is a, this is a classic guy who's overperforming when he's older. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't really have much interest in this player. He didn't really do much when he was younger. And in the BCHL, he was like barely over a point per game and under the first draft season. So, I mean, and then just barely over this to me, I, I, this is a classic geek guy. I would say <laughs> like he's, he's tearing it up in the, in college, but he's already 22. So to me, that doesn't, that doesn't usually pretend major success. I hope it works out for him, but I don't really see him being a top of the lineup player. Well, I'm not going to have to wait five years to find out if he's going to make it to the NHL. Yeah, you won't, but you'll be disappointed when he finally does. <laughs> if he finally does. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's, the last guy that I'm going to bring up is Colin Graff. Colin Graff is an undrafted 21-year-old. He's 0% fan tracks rostered. So Colin Graff, go grab him if you want. If you like what you hear, he's a six foot one, 194 pound right wing swant, right wing slash center. He's playing for the defending champs, Quinnipiac. Currently, last season he was his uh, second season at or his first season at Quinnipiac, the first in college, and he had 59 points in 41 games. He was awesome, a big part of their national championship run. So far this season, he's got 16 points in nine games. Again, he's older, but he's 21, and he's uh, only had a few NHL or uh, NCAA seasons. He's also a late birth date for his draft year. So he's just past the cutoff. So he's pretty much always been older than everyone else is Colin Graff. So I always kind of pay attention to that because that may give him a little bit of an advantage. So Jim, what can you tell us about Colin Graff? Yeah, so I, I watched a couple games of, of Colin Graff. You mentioned he's 21 years old, six foot. He's listed at 170. He looks big on the ice, 16 points in nine games for Quinnipiac. The notes that I took were his skating's okay. He looks for space without the puck can turn the puck over when pressured. And the impression that I got watching him in, I could be wrong. And if, you know, there are people out there who've watched Colin Graff a lot more than I have, you know, feel free to let me know. But his IQ didn't look that great. I don't know if he's partying before the games that I watched or, or what, but 
he didn't look like the smartest guy or like he found himself in positions where he shouldn't have been, in my opinion. Um, so I, I wasn't that impressed with, with IQ and, and things like that. For me, I, I felt like I was watching a mid-six AHL player or maybe top line guy at best. But yeah, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't as impressed with Colin Graff as I was about some of these other guys that, that we watched. Yeah, I think he's got a shot. You know, can get pucked the goal, but yeah, I wasn't as impressed with Graff. Definitely not as excited about Graff as, as, as I was with guys like Perot and, and Ryan Leonard, that's for sure. Another NCAA free agent, and I love these guys. Let's talk about is Dylan Went, Western Michigan University, 22 years old as well. It's not even listed on Fantrax. So like this is super, super duper sleeper deep cut stuff here, folks. He's not even on Fantrax. So why are we talking about him? Well, he's got 10 goals and 19 points through 12 games for starters. He's 6'1", 185. So, you know, size isn't isn't an issue. James, what do you see in when you watch him? Like, I, I've never really I've never heard of this player. I've never watched him play. Is his is the stat line impressive? And is does the eye test match what the stats say? So of all the players that, that uh, I was supposed to watch, Dylan went. I actually didn't have the opportunity to watch. However, I mean, I regret that. So if you, if we can do this again, I would love to talk about Dylan Went. I'm looking at stats here. You mentioned 10 goals in 12 games, 19 points for Western Michigan. So here's a little, a little tidbit. So current Flyers president, Keith Jones, also went to Western Michigan University. So, uh, you know, if, if he ends up a free agent or he ends up in the draft, I, I wonder if that will play a factor and maybe a flyer snap him up in the late rounds or something. But haven't had the opportunity to watch Dylan yet. I'm just now seeing his stats and he's a guy that I, I think I should put on my list and maybe we can circle back and talk on another time. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, like, it's not like people can run out and add him onto their rosters because... <laughs> Is he not even on there? I didn't find him. Nope. Huh. Wow. Yeah, I'm going through putting the roster ship on everybody and I'm like, I'm... I'm pretty sure I'm spelling the name right. So I don't know. Fantrax, get him on there. Well, there you go. There you go. All right. Well, that was pretty good rundown of some some really interesting players. And I think we covered a wide spectrum of age and talent and projectability and fantasy relevance on, on here. So, Jim, thanks very much. And this is not your first time on, on the podcast. So hopefully people have heard you before. But you got your own show and, and you're doing all kinds of stuff besides writing Flyers prospects for us. Go ahead, take a second, you know, let us know where we can find all your stuff if people are really digging it. Yes, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at Jim Ike, H-W-J-I-M-I-K-E-H-W. You can check out our site, hwhockey.net. And obviously, I'm writing for Dauber Prospects and Victor's show, doing some scouting for, for him as well. Yeah, you guys are keeping me busy and obviously always grateful to hop on the show and grateful for the opportunity with Dauber. Uh, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on, even though, you know, you're not 100%. So that's, you know, good on you. What's your dog's name? <laughs> name the appearance, right? I was trying to mute him out. His name's Odin. He's, Odin. Uh, 120 pound, 125 pound Connie Corso. So I was going to say he sounds big. He's a big boy. Yeah, sorry about that. That's quite all right. We got plenty of plenty of love for dogs on the podcast. All right. Thanks, Jim. We'll, uh, we'll get you on again in the future. We'll talk some more, maybe post Bean Pot. Always a pleasure, boys. Thank you for having me. Talk to you soon. If I, and Thanks, I'm sure I'll talk to you before then, but enjoy your holidays. You too, man. You too. Take care. Thank you. You've got mail.
So we have a mailbag question and feel free to shoot them at us. We have a quick one here from our Discord. Volume Shooter McGavin wants to know, which minor league do you think is the strongest and why? I've always been partial to the OHL, but is that still true? You live where the OHL plays. Do you have a sense of whether this is a, a good league compared to some other ones, Pete? Yeah, so I like the OHL as well. I'm a little disenchanted with the lack of physicality in it. There's there's not a lot of hitting. The I I don't really mind that they've they're reducing the fighting and they're really weeding that out. I'm okay with that, but that doesn't mean the physicality needs to go away as well. And when the pandemic was on and the OHL canceled their season, at one point they were talking about coming back midway, having an abbreviated season, and the Ontario government was like, okay, but it's got to be no contact, which is just absolutely insane. For one thing, it's just the stupidest. Like, do people watch hockey? Do you have any idea? Like, if they're huffing and puffing and blowing air all over the ice. Do you really think it matters if if you're bumping guys or not? But the joke was, well, there already isn't any contact in the OHL, so shouldn't be a problem. The the Q, I think the Q is is a little bit better for skill development i think some guys there are a little bit more flashy than some of the players you see in the ontario hockey league i think it's a subtle difference and i really like the whl in the last couple of seasons as well just look at the draft in the last couple of years some of the more prominent players are coming out of the dub not so much from from the queue and the ohl is is holding its own as well but i still feel like the the whl is, is maybe not quite as as prolific offensively as the other two leagues are but i like that it's a little meaner a little grittier so i think in the chl that i think i'd rank 1a and 1b the dub and, and the q with or sorry the dub and the o with the the q coming in at third i don't see a lot of ushl hockey so not not a, not a big opinion in on the on the ushl victor i'm not sure that they have any leagues out in your neck of the woods either so do you have any thoughts on that well yeah i don't watch as much junior hockey as you do or some people do but you know just Looking at like NHL equivalencies, if you look at a couple different people that have run the numbers on what a goal is worth and how those players translate to the NHL, it's pretty clear that the OHL looks like the top, although statistically not too much different from the WHL. You're talking about 0.144 points or a goal in the OHL is worth 1.144 of what an NHL goal is. And for the WHL is 0.141. So you're talking about a three thousandths of a fraction difference right it is a bit higher than the q which is at 1.13 but i think it depends on what you what he means by minor league because the ushl is essentially tied with the ohl and whl which some people might be surprised with in terms of this this equivalency most of the other leagues that i think you would consider i don't know what 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 is considered minor because a lot of these other ones are like you know professional things like the mestis things like the echl things like the you know, the Czech League, the the VHL, the DEL, all those are professional leagues. But if, right. if you're including the NCAA, the NCAA is by far better. Like it's it, the, the quality of competition and how hard it is to score a goal is definitely higher, quite a bit higher than the OHL and then the USHL. So I, I guess it depends would, would on we consider the there. NCAA minor hockey, though, because like we're talking the CHL leagues are high school kids and the NCAA is university age. That's a huge difference. But yeah. it's not professional. So technically speaking, it's a minor league, right? Yeah, I, I think it, it, I think it depends on what your definition is. It, yeah. They're not getting paid. So, I mean, if you go by that definition, then the NCAA probably is 
qualify. So I would say the NCAA is the best, uh, you know, in terms of leagues that people aren't getting paid for, but that that is they're older and that equivalency, depending on how you look at it, is is kind of closer to point two of a of a goal, whereas the other ones are kind of closer to a point one five. So it's a it's a pretty big difference. But yeah, in terms of if you're just looking at the CHL, I, I agree. Like I think the WHL has closed the gap, if not is right there with the OHL in the past few years. And the Q is definitely a step behind. And it makes sense. I mean, the dub has a lot larger population to pull from, right? So you would kind of think that it would be that it have have better options, but it, it, I guess it also kind of goes in cycles and it kind of depends on who's, you know, who's coming up that year. You've got mail. The last one is from Simon W. He asks, why is Simon Edmondson ranked so much higher than Olin Zellweger and Dauber rankings? Well, we don't do the rankings for, for Dauber. Dauber does those. So I can't officially answer that. My, my guess would be that some of the things that he, that he puts into the value for that is these are fantasy rankings, right? So what is the wait time? I think might be one of the biggest factors here. And I think Simon Edmondson is, is on the cusp of being an NHL player and could arguably be an NHL player today on a lot of other teams. Given the opportunity, I think he could step in and be effective right away. And I think Olin Zelliger is also close, but not quite as close. And then Simon Edmondson also has a size advantage as well, which gives him extra value in bangers leagues. So it diversifies Simon Edmondson's value, whereas Olin Zelliger is, I think, more strictly offensively ranked as an undersized player. That would be my estimation for that, the answer for that, and why Dobber would know him the way I do and why he would rank guys the way he does. Victor, do you have any any other thoughts on that too? Yeah, I agree. I think this is always kind of the issue I have with some of these rankings is you kind of have to know what people's preferences are. And I know for Dobber, it's generally... Proximity to playing NHL games is super important. And so you're always going to see players that are closer to being NHL ready. They're going to be much higher. And if that's important to you, then that's great. I tend to factor that in a little bit, but I tend to also think about what is the what is the upside? Like if they hit their 80th, 90th percentile outcome, how much higher is that? And and for my money, Zellweger's is higher if he hits it. Now you have to calculate what are the odds that he hits that because you did mention there's some question marks there with the size. There's also some, you know, Minchikov playing so well. We didn't know that at the beginning of the season, but there's there's some potential competition there. So you have to factor a lot of things in, of course. But that that's always something that the Dauber bakes into his rankings is is who's who's closest and you know what are the opportunities you know on the team and how long do I have to wait because in a lot of leagues you know, you may not want to wait or may not, they may not value waiting. And, and in other leagues, it may be okay. You know, the, the longevity of the league may be such that it's okay to wait a little bit longer for a higher outcome. So it really kind of depends league to league. That's why we talk about it on the show, because every league is different and you have to know what the settings are and you have to know what people rank based on, you know, and some people would call me out for saying, oh, you're, you're just, you're, it, it's unrealistic. This, this guy's never going to hit his upside, even though you have him ranked high. And that may be true. Like that is definitely something that I fall into. Yeah. Another, another small factor that might be at play here as well is the teams that these guys are rostered by where, you know, the Anaheim Ducks have a lot of very good young defensemen that are going to create a quality of competition for him that might eat into his minutes, you know, with Zellweger and Drysdale and Tristan Leno and 
and so on and so forth. And then Detroit has most cider. Sure, absolutely. That's a legit locked number one D. But then after that, like it's kind of more veteran players. And while they are locked up in contract for term, taking up roster spots, I think they're one or two of those guys are, are going to be usurped by Simon Edmondson. I mean, we're not talking like Hall of Fame guys here with with Petrie, Ghost Bear, Sherratt, Jake Wallman, Justin Hole. Right there's there's opportunity for Edmondson to 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 supplant one of those guys and force Detroit to to make a, a roster move, or one of those guys could have an injury. Basically, what I'm saying is the quality of prospect competition in Detroit's system isn't as strong as Anaheim's. So advantage Edmondson there. Definitely. Yep. Makes sense. And feel free to send us your mailback questions. We'll get to them when we can. All right. Well, let's put a bow on this. I got one more episode of Ted Lasso to watch and then I'm finished that season, that show. Great show. If you don't watch it, highly recommend it. So thanks everyone for coming out and listening to Dopper Prospects report number 34 for feedback on the show to chat with us, submit mailbag questions, reach out to us on Twitter at DPR underscore show Dobber prospects report. Farling, Victor Nuno 12, and at Sabarin91 are all our Twitter handles. Don't forget to follow HockeyPodNet. They got a whole bunch of cool, cool hockey podcasts on there that you're going to want to check out. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify, wherever you are listening to the show. And while you're subscribing, go ahead and hit the five stars. Give us a review. Tell us we're awesome and that you love us and that we're amazing and super cool and all that. We need to hear it. That's it for now, folks. Enjoy Ted Lasso. Keep your stick on the ice. I do love a locker room. Smells like potential. And am I getting notes of Axe body spray? Let's do that hockey.